Ugh, I'm so bored. I have way too much time on my hands. Well, uh, what do you want to do? We could play video games. Ugh, we're always playing video games. That's true. You want to watch something on TV? Ugh, we're always playing video games and watching stuff on TV. Board games? Uh, it's such a time commitment. Warhammer? What I just said. <laughs> do you want to walk or uh, go somewhere or go out? Ugh. Outside's dangerous. You're right. You're right. Nope, nope. I've got the perfect thing. Let's listen to the dork web. Yeah. Hello, and welcome to episode 32 of the Dork Web Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Locato. And as always, I'm joined by my venerable co host, Mr. Evan Rakowski. Still kicking. What's up, guys? What's up? <laughs> Uh, so cool stuff today. We're going to talk about the news first PlayStation five controller looks weird. Yeah. Uh, we're going to, we're going to talk about real life mortal Kombat taking place. Uh, and then the main meat and potatoes of our episode will be death stranding. And then we'll talk a little bit about what we're doing to kill some of our free time. But first things first, the PlayStation 5 controller. I feel like it's kind of what like you said earlier um, about the whole thing where they want to go with this like boomerang idea. And as soon as they release it, everyone's like, nah, dude, that looks terrible. And they're like, okay, here's the DualShock. Yeah, so, I mean, I've had PlayStation, Sony consoles um, most of my life. Since day one. Pretty much, yeah, since day one. Um, and I used to be very, very into like the PS2 and the PS3, uh, above kind of all else. And then I met PC gaming and it was a whole different ballpark. Oh yeah. But, you know, in the years, starting with the PS3, they had this weird controller design and it was always just like this, you know, the internet called it the boomerang design and it was just very much so curved and shaped like a boomerang or the or like a moon almost yeah just like a, a very uncomfortable crescent looking shape. shape crescent shape croissant half, yeah half of a shrunken driving wheel shape yeah uh that doesn't look very comfortable and every single year like they did it for the ps3 they did it again for the ps4 and it looks like they're doing it now not every year but every console they throw this design out and usually Everybody is like, no, we, this looks terrible. This looks terrible and uncomfortable. And think about the people who play racing games and fighting games and yada, yada, yada. And this is difficult to adapt to on a competitive level. And then they change it back to more or less the same thing. I think the PS4 controller is like the most drastic change they've made in their controller since, you know, Gen 1. Yeah, because of the whole like touch screen. I think of the PS3. Which one added the extra shoulder button? Uh, well, the they always had the, the extra two? shoulder button. So they always had the two buttons on the fingers. Yeah, but the uh, PS2 added, or later versions of the PS1 added the joysticks, and then that was just standard on the PS2. Uh Yeah, the original PS1 was just a D-pad. Oh yeah, no, yeah, you're right. Yeah, but I mean, regardless, this. You know, outside of adding joysticks, which was kind of like a necessary development in technology, yeah, in, is what you're in, trying to say. In, you know, console home gaming. Uh, I don't think that making people 
hold things uncomfortably with both their hands is necessarily the right advancement that we're looking for here and at this time. You know what? Maybe we're wrong. Maybe it's the children who are wrong. It's definitely the children. But, I mean, my only hope is if this, you know, 100% ends up being the design that they go with, and hopefully things change as they have exactly in the past. But if not, um, you know, hopefully these next-gen consoles will come with some kind of additional Bluetooth connectivity so that you can use other types of wireless controllers that maybe are designed a little bit better than the one that you have. And maybe it'll be an actual improvement, on kind of unlike the last gen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what how else to describe it. I feel like the last generation, while it did you're, kind You're talking about the console power? Yeah, well, power and also what they brought to the table. Like, I just always kind of felt like the Xbox One or the uh, PS4 was just basically a souped-up PS3 or an Xbox 360. Like, it wasn't that different in terms of, like, you know, how things looked. Sure, yeah. Definitely more subtle, but I know what you mean in the sense that I think there are a lot of games that are coming out and even big games and blockbuster games that look like they could have been released late stage on the Xbox 360 or uh, PS3. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But, uh, you know, as far as the actual uh, handling and, you know, controller, back to the controller subject goes, um, hopefully things changed. I think today was really the first time it was seen in the wild in a big way on the internet. Yeah. Um, so it's people all people are, are talking about. Yeah, now. people are reacting pretty crazy. So you've probably seen it too by the time you hear this. There's memes already. Oh yeah, so it's there. Uh, very cool. <laughs> Next up is a subject near and dear to both of our hearts. Mortal uh, Kombat. Ah, I, I see what you did there. Yes, real life Mortal Kombat. The movie. Oh, better. But I mean also the synopsis for the movie where there's going to be fighting tournaments held on an island. Yeah, go ahead. Take it away. Um, So according to TMZ, uh, you know, a very reputable uh, gossip news source, the like CEO or president or I guess main guy for UFC, I think his name is Dana White, uh, announced he has plans to kind of get UFC up off the ground again, so to say. Uh, by hosting it on a private island, which he's in the, quote, process of locking down. Uh, He's also calling it, quote, Fight Island. That's capital F, capital I, uh, as in a a place is going to be called Fight Island. (laughs) Yeah, as it should be. A place marked on the map as Fight Island. Yes, and uh, both fighters and crew members are going to be, like, fully medically examined prior to being flown in. So it's going to be, you know, quarantine fight island and who knows what rules will be there because it's an international territory that's crazy you know if you know we tune into this and we see somebody come out in uh you know all in white with like a rice hat that other person's about to get electrocuted to death without a doubt yeah and possibly have like their head kicked off and up (laughs) into the air i'm just uh i'm just looking out for the like a Kind of like an old-timey like Chinese sorcerer to pop out and like rip out someone's soul. Yeah, the loser. 
Brock Lesnar is making his triumphant return to the UFC. Oh, he lost his match. And what's this? Somebody from the crowd is coming up. It's Shang Tsung. He's taking his soul. Your soul is mine, Brock Lesnar. No. So needless to say, I'm very excited to see how this turns out. Um, I don't think there's been Mortal Kombat-esque news that excited me this much since I was a little kid and realized there was a live-action Mortal Kombat movie, which, again, these real-life events basically are playing out very similar. It's just like somebody's at home due to quarantine. They're like a fighter, and they get like a mysterious letter (laughs) in the mail signed by uh, Dana White. It's like, come to Fight Island. I promise you riches. Or it's going to be a Hunter x Hunter arc. Oh, I know, yeah. Fight Island. It's begging for an anime adaptation. Yeah, oh, who's fighting this week? Oh, it's just Hisoka and Gone. No big deal. No big deal. So that's pretty cool. That was uh, some funny, interesting, little fun news. Um, But we're not going to talk about fun things anymore. Uh, Actually, that's not true. We are going to talk about fun things, but we're not going to talk about happy things anymore. We're going to talk about Death Stranding. It's all downhill from here, baby. That's right. So for those of you who don't know, Death Stranding is a video game, Um, although... Interactive there, media. Yeah, there, there would be those who could go as far as to you know, qualify it more in the lines of a movie or cinematic experience. Which we may try to do in the near future. Yes. Um, with the My Movies Betters podcast. Good friends. Yes. Um, shout out. But Death Stranding is a video game that mainly stars Norman Reedus, you know, from Boondock Saints and Walking Dead. Yeah. Walking Stranding. Walking Stranding, yeah. Yeah. Um, Interacting with this crazy, crazy world, like America in like this crazy paranormal type situation. Uh, But then you get all of these weird anime and manga fixings that get kind of baked into the story. What you're saying is it's a Kojima game. Yes, but for those who may be unfamiliar with Kojima... He's a game maker that has a very specific style, and it's always basically an over-the-top classic American action film with like heavy subtle, drama. Yeah, with heavy drama and like subtle uh, Japanese references and like accoutrement thrown in. Yeah. Um, but Death Stranding is fantastic. I think we can both equally say that it's, uh, a, it's a very what I can say it's a, it's a very unique experience. Yes. And sometimes that's that. not for everyone because some people played it for a little bit and just didn't want it. And, you know, that's fair because it's, you know, very much unlike anything we've ever played before. Sure. Um, but essentially Death Stranding is a time commitment and like a, a story and emotional commitment. But the person who made this game, um, Hideo Kojima, he is very specific and precise on his use of talented actors, almost like filmography and like the way that the game shows you the story and like the camera angles and in-game cinematography. Yeah, how everything's presented to you. It's it's all top notch, like a film. So it's it's an incredible experience. Yes. But yeah. it's also a surreal experience because while you're getting these Hollywood. Uh, quality performances from these actors who you've seen before, such as like Mads Mikkelsen and uh, director Guillermo del Toro, 
they're all kind of espousing this very strange, uh, almost unbelievable, like, dialogue and actions. <laughs> just, just saying, like... The most bonkers shit. Bonkers shit. shit. Going into, like, full-on, like, pseudoscience dissertations in front of you while, like, you know, advancing the narrative of the plot. And it's like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. Yeah, talking about, like, political agendas of, like, trilobites and, like, stuff <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah. So... Uh, it, you know, it's intense. It's definitely intense. But I think before anything else, uh, let's talk a little bit about what it's like playing this game. Sure. So kind of like the gameplay, if you would. Um, the game in its entirety, almost the only thing that you do is deliver things from one place on the map to another. With various obstacles in between. With various obstacles in between. Um, let me elaborate. <laughs> yes. Some of this is the terrain itself being like rocks and rivers. Some of them being actual people. Others being ghosts. Literal ghosts. Undead beings from the other side. Yes. So. And Troy Baker. And yes, and Troy Baker. He's there too. So... Uh, for all intents and purposes, this is going to be uh, spoiler-free for anybody who's still playing or going to be playing the game. You don't have to worry about the spoiler horn yep. that Dark Web is becoming known for. Yes, because there's no spoilers here. Yeah, um, nothing to blow your eardrums out this time. Yes, but you will face all of those obstacles. And really what you need to know is America is at a point where due to stuff... And circumstances. <laughs> Some real serious stuff. Uh, people are more or less all in shelters across the United States, uh, like underground bunker type cities, um, or some are, you know, a little bit above ground with like giant walls protecting them. Uh, but everyone's basically all separated and self-contained, and they rely on porters, which your character is, and the job of a porter is to deliver things, your delivery boy, from one place to the other. Uh, kind of like Futurama. Yeah, you're, you're like a delivery boy mercenary because... You're an Amazon employee. Yes, because, you know, obviously in the hellscape that is America after this stuff... Which looks happens, strangely like Iceland. Yeah, and it's, it mostly looks like Iceland. Um, you know, there are various threats, ghost threats, yes. or people-slash-terrorist threats and... All sorts of crazy stuff. Um, but again, we're not going to get too much into that. What we will get into is the crazy level of detail that goes into item management. So, let's see. Sam can carry equipment on his thighs, his shoulders, um, in a backpack, and can also have things on each hand. You, Depending on what you do in the game, you can, you know carry more things or less things, but you can also uh, arrange the items you're given in such a way as to prioritize a type of balance or basically just like Tetris, a ridiculous load onto yourself, more or less. Yeah, for example, um, there's various deliveries that come up that involve delivering pizza. And the whole shtick with that is if the pizza is sideways or upside down, you'll ruin it. So you have to pay attention to the order in which you're stacking things or use a very specific type of vehicle or like, you know, a separate carrier like a dolly 
and like, make sure that that pizza stays the yeah. way that it needs to stay. On your like hover mailbag sled. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in addition to what you said, uh, things go in the backpack, but the backpack also has uh, like a metal frame, like scaffolding. So you can also stack things uh, up and above on the backpack as well. Yeah. Uh, and play around with that. Uh, in your hands, you're actually carrying the items themselves. So anything that you would need to interact with using your hands, um, you may or may not be able to do that depending on if both of your hands are full or just one. And the things that would require your dominant hand, because the game knows that and <laughs> pays attention to that, um, you know, if you're carrying something in that and you're trying to manipulate your you know, free hand being the non-dominant one, uh, you won't be able to do it as well. Uh, and I love that little, all those little attention to detail bits. Because sometimes you'll forget that Sam's right-handed and you know, you'll throw something not as far or as hard as you thought you would. Yes, yes. Um, the game offers a lot of different things to build. And building things can be building something like an exoskeleton that will let you carry more weight or help you traverse troubled areas. I know Evan's very fond of the all-terrain exoskeleton. It's a great exoskeleton. It's a yep. little bit of everything. Yep, makes you, you know, easier to get through rocky or like tough or snowy areas. Mecha cleats. Yep, mecha cleats. Um, you can also build things like... Highways. Highways. Uh, <laughs> vehicles. Uh, climbing ropes, zip ladders, lines. zip lines, um, giant Tesla generators that just shoot out a stream of electricity into either you or, or your, your vehicle, vehicle. Yeah. and charge you as you drive by. Full of ghost power. Full of ghost power. Um, lots of different things to build. You can build different, or not even build, but you can customize uh, you know, you can change the color of the sunglasses that you wear. You can change... You get multiple pairs of sunglasses get, to wear. You get multiple pairs of sunglasses to wear. Hats. Hats. Hoods. Uh, hoods. Conan O'Brien. Conan O'Brien. He's is, there. He's there. He's in this With game. his crusty old antics. Yep. With his crusty antics. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of detail that goes into literally how you look and the methods that you use to get around. Because, you know, like we were saying... Inventory management is a core component of the game that's directly represented on your character and gameplay. Yes. it That. And we'll touch, on, <laughs> we'll touch on more of that in a second. But as we said, most of the game is just about delivering things. So, you know, are you the person who loads up on ladders and climbing ropes and keep your load on your back and, you know, use those ladders to get up and over a cliff and then climb back down? Or are you the person who loads everything up into a carrier like a dolly and links that with a rope to you and goes around the mountain but ends up taking more with you. So there's there's a lot of intentional wiggle room and playroom to do things the way that you want to do them as opposed to, you know, hey, you have to deliver this. The only way to deliver it is with this specific item and you need to do it this way. Um but actually, the thing that I wanted to touch back on is kind of what you said, Evan. Depending on how you're managing your inventory, that will affect gameplay. 
So the game is obsessed with physics. and It's very if, much a physics game. Yes. And if you have a bunch of things piled very high and you're running down a hill, you're probably going to fall forward <laughs> and, and lose fall your balance, over and lose yeah. your balance. And then all of the things that you're delivering will tumble down the hill and get damaged. Get damaged, and you'll be running after and them. Baby and will start to cry. Yeah, and you'll fall again, running <laughs> after them, and damage things more. Um, you know, because you're in a panic. And yeah. one of the things that I appreciate is how many times have me and you done that and dropped something important. Or you know, the most memorable time I have is I climbed up a mountain to deliver something to you know this little shelter up there. And right when I was about to finish climbing, I fell backwards off the mountain and all of the stuff broke and I died. But, you know, you, for all intents and purposes, develop an emotional attachment to the thing that you're delivering. And it's kind of incredible that, you know, you look through and it's like, oh, I'm delivering painting supplies. And it's like, no, those fucking painting supplies. I spent 30 minutes of my life getting them from, you know, I don't know. Georgia to yeah, you, Colorado. You, you go on like a whole hobbit's journey with it. Yeah. It's like, I, I can't carry this sled, but I can't carry you. Yeah. And there's so many missions that, you know, let's say you have to get from the southwestern part of the map to uh, the north uh, eastern part of the map. There, there's so many different ways to go and so many different missions to take that you could say, oh, I want to kind of like hug the bottom you know, just stay kind of on the bottom of the map and then curl up because I want to make some deliveries on that route. Or you could say, oh, I want to make deliveries to the other guy for whatever reasons that you have uh, and take another route up that way. And as mentioned, between the highways and the vehicles and the zip lines, you'll have plenty of ways to get around and get from point A to point B. Yeah. Although it does take a little bit of a time investment to build up uh, God. those transportation networks. I don't know if it took us like weeks or like months to build that highway. We've been playing the game for a while, pretty much since day one. Yeah. Literally since day one. Granted, and we haven't been playing it every day. Not every day. But we at least put in, I'd say at the beginning, like three to four hours a week. And then, you know, now that we've had so much free time on our hands, we've actually been able to finish it. Yeah. But... Yeah, three to four hours a week, we were chugging away. It's a good-sized game. And we're, you know, we're completionists, so yeah, we're only talking about it now because we're very, very close to 100%ing it. It's just a couple of side things to do. Should we talk about the music of the game? Yeah, go ahead, bring up the music. So it's crazy because you don't see many game soundtracks with actual, like, light, well... It's mostly not anymore. It's like sports. Yeah, mostly yeah. sports games um, and stuff like that will have like you know current pop music or you know Guitar Hero games. But even then, it might be a cover. But somehow Hideo Ko- he he chose the the soundtrack himself. I think. Yeah. And most of it is like low roar. Uh, there's some churches. There's like DJ Khalid's in one song. It's it's crazy. It's quite an eclectic mix. But it mostly it is from this band called. Um, low roar and the best way i can describe it is melancholy pop music we could say it's good it's like the right kind of music it's it's just very slow melancholy sad and you know you're just kind of like slowly trying to keep your balance trudging down a muddy hill and it's raining 
and America's basically like torn apart yeah. and it fits like it's you know it's very reflective music yeah like, it makes uh, you think of a struggle yeah it's, it. a, it's yeah. very struggling struggling music yeah and it's great no all around the soundtrack is great and there's some great I, I mean uh, the apocalyptica song that was featured in the trailer yeah is like it's it's a diverse soundtrack yeah, apocalyptic yeah. I mean I, I don't remember actually maybe we had to like unlock it doing something I remember hearing it in the game but um, that trailer was pretty sick for the game, though. Oh, definitely. It set the tone. Yeah. But on that note, you know, we've obviously mentioned what the game is about. And we've said before that it stars uh, Norman Reedus. But we've offhandedly said there's other people at play here. So Guillermo del Toro. Holistic gel torso. Yeah. There's um, Mads Mikkelsen and... Tom Earl Jenkins was a Die Hardman whose character is called uh, John McClane. Yeah, yeah. There's always some weird naming it, conventions. It, it's Hideo Kojima. Hideo it's, Kojima. He, he likes his weird naming conventions. But all of these characters are, um, you know, they play a part in the story and in the game. Uh, again, we're not going to talk about spoilers, but I think it's important just to talk a little bit about the characters. So as you're going through this game, you're on a greater mission to reconnect America and reconnect all these places and all these states and all these cities. Uh, but along the way, you're meeting people and they don't really stick around in the sense that you might be familiar with in other games. It's kind of uh, more so that for as long as you're in the vicinity of them, doing things for them or around them, you see them. They're hologram doorbell, yeah, essentially. Yeah, when you're making deliveries, but that's it. So... Really, you're seeing Norman Reedus front and center most of the times, but you're still running into these people. And something of a, a trend and almost like a trope for Hideo Kojima is his characters are always uh, a physical embodiment of kind of like one theme or one aspect or one thing. Uh, and all of these characters are basically some kind of... Uh, they're in some state of emotional turmoil, or we could even say like emotional stranding. And they each have, I know, right? You like that? Yeah. Emotional stranding. Hideo would be proud. He would. Um, I think that's actually probably the word he used to describe it. I know, right? Because um, it is a stranding type game. Yes. But it, it's literally that these characters are defined, you know, in quirk appearance, the way they act, the way they talk by you know this specific state or mentality that they have or way that they are very metaphorical very metaphorical and i love that stuff um classic kojima in fact uh like in metal gear solid 4 it was you know the beauty and the beast core and one was like raging raven because she was angry and crazy and like laughing octopus because she was laughing i don't know it's kind of like that He, he likes that kind of thing yeah it's very like um almost like shakespearean like to make a character and to have them play an important role, but the character themselves is a theme is paper or an thin. idea. Yeah, it's yeah. just paper thin, an idea to represent something else. Yeah, a straw man, if you would. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if you're the type that you know is looking for more in a video game experience than just kind of you know action or something like that, like if you like to think, this is gonna scratch that itch. Oh yeah, I would say. You might even think too much. Yeah, like all sorts of, you know, thought processes and experiments on existence and fate and yeah, too much. Yeah. You might get dragged into the philosophy and just lose yourself. Hey, the philosophy is why we stay. Oh yeah. 
Um, and then I think we should just give some of our impressions on what we thought about the story without without going into anything that's too uh, spoiler. Because I feel like now would probably be a good time as any, since we're getting all philosophical and uh, thoughty up in here. <laughs> we're getting thoughty up in here. We get, we're getting thoughty up in here. Um, but story-wise, without comparing to what we know, which is obviously the Metal Gear Solid series. A.K.A. Kojima Carpenter. Yes, yes. Um, how did you feel about the story of Death Stranding? Like, did you did it, did it you connect with the story? Did you feel like it was, like, too... Because I guess, you know, before you answer, um, with Kojima, there's always the fear, you know, that this was the first time that he would be fully unleashed yes like off his chain and at least for me the you know maybe biggest fear was that he could get too ambitious with his uh you know like thought experiments and themes and yeah there'd be no one kind of footing the bill to basically make his idea more mass consumable we'll say yeah yeah or like reshaping it so that you know, it's not just pure Kojima energy that makes no sense. Only in his head, you know, does it make sense? <laughs> yeah, he's a very eccentric man. Yeah, but how did how did you connect with the story? Um, overall, I enjoyed the experience, um, but I can definitely say there were some weird pacing issues in some places in which there would be chapters where barely anything happens at all, and you're just kind of you know establishing uh, you know a foothold in a new territory, and then. And by that, you mean just delivering packages delivering to packages. a lot of people. Yes, yeah, so they the see frontier. your face. Yeah. Like, oh, it's the new delivery man. Yeah, you're establishing a frontier. Um, and then all of a sudden, like, either nothing or everything will happen in the next chapter and completely change everything. Yeah, and I think, you know, this, this is pretty connected to uh, what we said about the characters, but because you have these characters that will ultimately play a very important role in actually explaining what's going on and, you know, kind of advancing the story, uh, since you're limited to only seeing them in what's realistically you're trotting around. Yeah, yeah, you're trotting around America. And if there's a character who's on the East Coast and, you know, you're currently in, you know, the story is taking you to Central, well, not really Central America, but taking you to the center of the United yeah. States. Midwest America. Or yeah, that, that character you know, who may have advanced the story for you before isn't there. So you're kind of grasping at straws like, okay, when's the next big character going to pop up? Who's in this area? Yeah. Who's going to, you know, advance the story? And, oh, I don't know when that will be. I just have to keep meeting people until one person is like, hey, actually, I'm more important than the rest of them. Yeah. Um, I'm got, someone, hi, yeah. I'm someone you can talk to. Yeah. Hey, uh, I, I got some important stuff for you here because there's a lot of characters but really few people who actually contribute to the overall narrative. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a single kind of face for every single territory, shelter, station, whatever you want to call it. And unfortunately, one of those faces is Conan O'Brien's. Yeah. No matter how hard you try, you try to, to avoid, avoid him, it. He's just, you know, sometimes you'll just see him. And that's just a part of life. But pretty much all of the people who are actually making things go forward are big name actors or like people with some acting clout yeah 
for example, Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah. Or Norman yeah. Reedus. So you, you can usually tell because if you meet somebody and it's just like Joe Schmo copy and pasted guard that you saw in the city, but now he's the guy that's running this distribution center. Like, okay, this guy ain't making the story go forward, but yeah. you see somebody with a weird mask and oh. you know a trench coat. You're like, okay, this guy's obviously got something important What for you're me. talking about is like PC versus NPC syndrome, where it's yeah. like, guess which is the player-generated character? Yeah, literally. It's like, oh, which one of these peoples is the stand user? Yeah. So um, I definitely get pacing issues because there are long segments where, you know, it's just... Like, Man hey, versus environment. Yeah, like you'll be, I'll say again, you'll be on like the East Coast and they'll show you like a point on the map that's like almost the West Coast. And they'll be like, all right, like by the time you reach here, we'll be ready to do the next thing. And it's like, okay, so I have to like play connect the dot and get all the way over here Yeah. Um, before, you know, the story advances. And it, as we kind of said, when we talked about the gameplay, it's definitely unique and you have to be into it. Um, cause really you're just delivering packages and there's not much variation in that. You're going from point A to point B and, and then usually back yeah. again to deliver a package back to the person who sent you. But the mechanics of getting to point D point A to point B are elaborated upon to which, uh, hiking becomes a uh, gameplay. Yes. Literally the hiking is the gameplay, keeping your balance when you're going up slippery slopes, figuring out if you need to make a bridge to cross a river. Uh, and the occasional third-person shooter where you're throwing blood grenades at ghosts or shooting mules or punching them. Yes, and to elaborate, yeah. uh, mules are just basically borderline terrorists. And then there are terrorists. Yeah, they're just like crazy Amazon delivery drivers who are obsessed with hoarding packages. And delivering them to themselves. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, but we don't need to get into that because uh, then we'll have to talk about like to sin. Yes, and all the, the wonderful pseudoscience presented by Hideo Kojima. Yes, like to sin, now that I've brought it up, uh, and we'll probably be close to end on this, uh, like to sin is this make-believe chemical that makes people feel good when they receive likes from social media. Also known as validation. Also, yeah, also known as validation. Yes, but all that boiled down to a single like neurotransmitter brain chemical and there's this weird, almost Black Mirror-esque melding of social media to real-life interaction. And everyone's a part of it. And everyone's a part of it. Even though the whole country's a part. And they just accept it. And it's just, you'll get the, it's one of those things I've said where everything's just so surreal because you'll have these, like, very dramatic, you know, good performances. But then in the next scene, someone will just, like, look into the camera, give a thumbs up and, like, uh, a funny like computer sound and like a blue image of a blue thumbs up will appear on the screen saying plus one. Yeah, yeah. It's like oh, <laughs> yeah. Or like you'll hear like this, you know, like very dramatic speech about like somebody whose brother was killed, and then like immediately after you'll get an email from them talking about like the history of growing gourds with like weird funny emojis. Yeah, you're like oh, all right, dude. Or it's like oh Sam, I can't wait till I meet you again. Eggplant splash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are moments like, hey, you know, you need to take this body and bring it over to an incinerator and cremate it. While sad music plays. While sad music plays, and then you start to go and you're ambushed by ghosts. But it's okay because in your backpack you have grenades made of your own uh urine and feces, uh mixed with your blood, and that will do stuff to ghosts. 
enough to, 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 to fend them off and, you know, make your way through them. But uh, altogether, I was very pleased with Death Stranding. I would recommend it if you like exploration, if you like kind of like open worlds, um, customizing, and Hideo Kojima. And Norman Reedus. Norman Reedus. Motorcycles. Then I would recommend it. It's definitely not an action game. It's definitely very slow at times when it's trying to build something up. But there can be action, but that's mostly if you choose. It's their, up to you. Yeah, yeah it's, it's up to up you up if to you want you. the action. Yeah. Um, but hey, if any of that interests you or you're looking for just a good brain itch of a story, check it out. Totally. So, Evan, as we mentioned in our little uh, skit at the beginning, we have a lot of free time. Too much, even. Too much. And I think that there are a lot of people who probably have a lot of free time right now. So why don't we share just some of the things that we've been doing to keep ourselves busy? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We've been clearing out our gaming backlog. Death Stranding was one of those games. I've also started poking at Control, which I got around the holiday season i haven't even touched it it's it's real good it's got that made by the same people who did alan wake i I believe we talked about control earlier it's yeah we talked about it very x files yeah i've been waiting to scratch that itch i've been playing a lot of uh is it i think it's called insurgency sandstorm which is the standalone insurgency game because i believe like cs or like you know original counter-strike it was a you know like a mod of half-life and then csgo came out which had its own you know own game engine and stuff but to further on that, this would be the full game version of a game called Insurgency, which is more kind of in the Rainbow Six aspect of kind of a mill sim in which you can, you know, peek around corner, you have to manage your loadout weight, um, one headshot will kill you no matter what, so it, it's like super tight and tactical. Is it multiplayer? Yes, there is a co-op where you, you know, do missions as either the security or insurgents, um, and there is, uh, unranked and ranked, uh, you know, team versus team stuff. matches, matches. Yeah. Yes. Where I assume you either kill each other or blow up objectives. Nice. We also, uh, have started divinity Two, which is something we've meant to do for a long, long time. Put that off for a while. Seems like the time. Uh, if you don't have, and I guess actually I should bring up, there are, tons and tons and tons of sales that are going on um to kind of emphasize you know staying home and social distancing so i know steam is doing sales gog is doing sales uh epic game store is doing sales uh humble bundle is doing some larger than normal bundles um with i wouldn't say that there's anything especially fantastic that's in that bundle but you get a lot of games for relatively short money if you just need you know some things to play through and time to kill i've also been painting quite a bit of warhammer and building i guess since the last time i've talked about warhammer um so if you have any type of art project or if you're into uh, modeling or tabletop gaming and you have projects that are sitting around even if you just have a bunch of bits from different projects Try a kit bash. See what you can make. Uh, I've made some pretty cool things. Some of my favorite things that I've ever made have been completely kit bashed and, you know, look exactly the part 
for what I want them to be uh, and, you know, the army that they're going to be in. Painting is very time-consuming, so this is the perfect time to do a little bit at a time. My best recommendation would be probably a couple hours at a time or else you'll really burn yourself out. And I've usually been trying to do, you know, maybe about three hours a week spread out, you know, every couple of days. Or in my case, uh, finally finding time to work on my uh, Stormtrooper costume I'm doing for the 501st. You know, I'm sure some people are still on that journey or making that journey themselves. If you're interested in reading at all or audiobooks, I know um, Humble is doing sales for those as well. Uh, back on the Warhammer side, they're doing audiobooks for 99 pence, which it's, it's like 99 cents for us as well in the US, but they've had a couple of decent picks. I think last week they did Soul Wars, which I mean that's you know, that's a big, cool, full Warhammer book. Um, but lots of other places are also doing sales on digital books, digital media, um, comic books, if you have a backlog. I have a huge backlog. I haven't poked at any of those yet, which I'm ashamed of, but I haven't really had the time. But I have a huge stack of different types of Valiant comics that I picked up right around the time that we saw Bloodshot that I want to get through, um, as well as Cyberfrog, which was an Indiegogo that um, I actually received in the summer. And that's an independent comic that the art looks really, really cool, and I've heard good things about it. Yeah, now would probably be a good time to either finish Berserk and probably get into my manga backlog of just omnibuses that I'll occasionally get because screw buying individual issues. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Too much work. Takes up a lot of space. Want it all in one place. Yeah, or you could uh, catch up on that backlog of, backlog of YouTube videos you always wanted to watch. Or you could be like me and... To take full advantage of the 30-day free trial of CBS All Access and Picard, you can marathon watch all of ne uh, Star Trek The Next Generation in the span of, like, one week. That explains the thicker beard hair on your neck. Yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> and I think that's going to do it for episode 32. Uh, as always, you can get in touch with us if you would like. You can reach us at the dork web podcast at gmail.com we are active on instagram and facebook pretty regularly and that is dork web podcast and the dork web you can find us at our website thedorkweb.net and as always until next time stay smart stay safe